My name's Cutter Calloway, and I'm Assistant Professor of Theology and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary. Welcome to Fuller Studio. Welcome to TV and Theology, an audio series in which we construct a theology of television to help viewers more fully engage with the power and meaning of TV. This season, I talk with TV writer and my co-author, Dean Batali. Welcome back to our next episode of our conversation on theology and television. Uh, with me, Cutter Calloway, and... I'm not doing it this week. Okay. We, we missed out, uh, but that's, that's Dean Batali uh, next to me. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about the ethics of TV. Um, part of the challenge with any sort of approach to media, there's always questions of ethics, um, whether you are a Christian or not. Um, people are concerned with what media is doing uh, to the viewer, to the audience. Um, and depending on what your ethical framework is, you have different concerns, but there is always this uh, uh, sort of enduring question of the role that TV plays um, in our larger sort of social ethic, our moral contract um, that we have. So we want to address that um, in, in a few different ways, but specifically coming at it from the question of a Christian ethic. So how do we engage TV as Christians um, ethically? We hit a little bit um, uh, prior on the, uh, the reality that, that often Christians uh, approach and engage television or any really art form or media purely from the standpoint of ethics. Um, and they boil down <laughs> the, the value um, or even goodness of a show to usually three things, and that is the amount of language, sex, and violence, down to the point that you will have content uh, analysis that says, you know, I, I used, to <laughs> used to give my mom a hard time because I won't say what the publication was, but it was a, a conservative Christian publication on media that published... Um, every movie in the last year, uh, the content analysis, and it, it gave little stars and little icons for if there was nudity or language or whatever, and a synopsis of, I think this was a film. Um, and my mom came to me and said, um, I want you to read this book. And I looked at it and I said, mom, this is silly. You know, you can't reduce a film down to what's the content. She goes, well, but this is, is hardening your heart is what my mom would always say. And she was probably right because moms are in some ways. Um, but, uh, I admit it, mom, if you're listening. Um, but what was interesting is that she handed me the book and I opened up, she's like, what was the movie you saw last night? And I can't remember what it was, but we flipped open and she goes, see, this is the kind of rubbish you're watching. And I looked down and sure enough, there's an icon for nudity. And I thought to myself, my mom's right. I don't remember any nudity in this movie at all. What, what's wrong with me? I'm like, maybe I've, I've seen so much, you know, uh, unethical content in, in TV and movies that, that I'm blind to it now. I've become calloused. Well, below, you can read a, a, a more detailed description in this book. And sure enough, <laughs> it says at minutes, you know, one hour, 11 minutes, 30 seconds, there is an instance of upper male nudity, <laughs> which means that a guy had his shirt off. Um, now, I use that example to my mom just to sort of rib her uh, for handing me this publication. But when it comes down to judging television... Was it a fat guy? Or was it <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. I can't even remember. I can't remember the movie, but maybe it was. It was 
that could be potentially way more offensive, you yeah. know, than, uh, you know, an, an attractive woman. Uh, you've got some very large man with his shirt off. Nobody wants there to see that. There should be a warning for yes, that. Yes, exactly. Um, but assuming it wasn't a, a, a very large person, um, I, you know, it it was it was interesting because that's the sort of reductive approach that often is taken when you're purely thinking in terms of ethics. Um and often it even lends, Americans in particular, are even more concerned with uh, sexuality, sensuality, less concerned with instances of violence. Although not always. Some people are very concerned with violence. But we're way more open to uh, instances of violence being legitimate than in- instances of sexuality. Uh, a great book uh, called a Theology, or Theology of Reality TV by Stephen Fowler uh, gets at this a little bit because reality TV, as we all know, is filled with those three things, language, sex, and artificial violence in the form of, of games and maybe you know slap fights at times. Um, but this is what he says about reality TV. What does it mean when a society has become self-reflective? When the unabashed and unblinking eye of television has finally turned its never-ending gaze inward? What does it mean if we become more enthralled with the artifice of reality TV than we are with true experience? And I use that quote because I think he's really uh, pushing us to say, yes, there are instances of of, um, unethical uh, behavior on reality TV, whether it's people using language or overly sexed and and, and sexualized characters. And they are characters, let's make no mistake. But he's saying the bigger question is, what does it mean about our culture when we are all inward focused, that reality TV represents a turn towards the audience? and we connect reality with that more so than with our actual experience. That is a deeper ethical question that reality TV presents than any of this sort of content analysis. So, Dean, as you've thought about, and you said a little bit about the the uh, the meanness of the characters in that 70s show, and that that was more important to you than sexuality, um, when it comes to ethics, when we think ethically, what what do you think should be our primary concern as Christians, um, Christian leaders, but also just Christians watching and engaging TV? Yeah, well, I want to pick up a little on what you said there, because I do want to um, kind of clarify my position on um, these kinds of, you know, sex violence and other things in television and film. Um, I'm actually pretty conservative about this. I actually think that more often than not, uh, things do not have to be shown, do not have to be so graphic. Um, I, it, you know, what, a good discussion to have is when has when have you seen nudity or language or violence that was really effective? Mm-hmm. Um, most Christians have seen in R-rated movies, The Passion of the Christ. It was one of the most violent films ever released. It perhaps mm-hmm. should have been NC-17 because of the violence, um, but it obviously added up to a great thing. Uh, the movie a King movie The King's Speech is an R-rated movie because the F word is in it four or five times, and most people hardly even remember. But if they've seen the movie, that's one of the best uses of profanity mm-hmm. I've ever seen in a film. Um, the Elephant Man has a great moment of nudity uh, when he first sees this woman and um, she reveals herself to him. It's a very poignant movie mm-hmm. that actually moment that actually humanizes him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, it is fair to say that language and nudity. And violence does coarsen us. It makes us less um, aware of, of uh, you know, less affected by. I, I, I think I was actually having a discussion years ago with some other comedy writers and said, I think it's actually kind of tragic that the first time any of us saw a naked woman was not an actual naked woman. It was probably in <laughs> film or a yeah. magazine. And that's just 
I think that's damaging and it, it's kind of sad. And, and same with language. There's a coarsening to our hearts that happens when language is used in a way that's so derogatory. So I generally say that, um, you know, I, I do think it's a problem, but I don't think we should start at counting the incidences of these things. I think the question has to be, what does this movie add up to? Yeah. I referenced Citizen Kane before. It's always my go-to. You know, that movie adds up to what goes a man who gains the world and loses his soul. There are valuable films that have, you know, all, The 40-Year-Old Virgin is a good mm -hmm. example. This is, I think, the most pro-abstinence, wait till you mar you're married to have sex movie made in the history of mm -hmm. Hollywood. I think it should be shown at youth groups. Mm -hmm. It should not be shown at youth groups. <laughs> uh, it's an R-rated, very hard R-rated film that has jokes about bestiality and all sorts of other things going on. But in the end, it adds up to if you wait till you get married to have sex it's going to be fantastic and you're going to want to sing songs about it, which isn't necessarily true either. But the, yeah, but the villains in the movie are the promiscuous ones who swear and make, uh, make sexual jokes. It's very clear. Um, it's a movie I couldn't have written, but it says exactly what I believe in. Um, now, it also maybe coarsens you because you hear language and see things that maybe, maybe you should not see. So I do think there becomes a... Um, a balance here. And I think mm -hmm. God actually has made each of us a different way. You know, look at the battlefield situation. Some people can be on the front lines and some people need to be a little farther back. Um, I, I, I don't think you're a prude if you don't like hearing the F word mm -hmm. and don't want to go to movies where the F word is said so often. But I still think you should see the King's speech. Yeah. And so kind of add it up to, and I think Hollywood kind of just sprinkles language and sexuality and violence in, in movies you know, almost just to be edgy sometimes. And even on television now, it's more and more so. But I go to NYPD Blue. NYPD Blue, when it came out, and I think it was 1991, was protested by Christians because of language and nudity. And a lot of, uh, there are a few stations in the South wouldn't even air it. Um, but then it ended up becoming a show where there were Christian characters and about redemption and led into something. So you have to kind of go through that journey sometime. We talked about about um, um, uh, True Detective. Well, you had to get through a lot of gunk to uh -huh. get through this beautiful thing at the end. And I was asked once, well, uh, is it worth it to rummage through a dumpster full of pornography just to find a diamond? And my question was, well, how valuable is the diamond? Mm -hmm. Because it might be worth it. And sometimes you kind of have to shield yourself from this experience, but um, for the value that's going to come mm -hmm. out at the end. So I'm not a kind of, I'm not an apologist for Anything goes in terms of storytelling. Sure. I think that uh, we need to be more responsible. Certainly, we as Christians need to be more responsible. Um, and I wish Hollywood was more responsible, but Hollywood just generally doesn't think at this level. They don't think there's necessarily anything um, degrading or coarsening about the F word. Or uh, and I use I kind of this is a very broad brush of Hollywood. Some people do, but um, but I think we just need to be careful. Uh, I will come back to saving babies here in terms of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Um, I understand Cutter's mother's opinion, but she's missing out <laughs> on some great art. She's changed, too. This was years ago. <laughs> um, so, I, again, I, I think that most, most, um, I can't say almost all, much violence, much sexuality, much language I see in movies and television is not necessary yeah. for the storytelling. So, um, if I'm hearing you right, and I, I, I think I am, that that it's the gratuitous is, right. is actually unartistic um, first, and that part of the challenge isn't simply that it, it goes against our sort of ethical sensibilities. It's that 
it it's not helping you tell that story. You can look back at movies from the past, and I, I believe it's Dr. Zhivago, there's this scene where where an entire village is slaughtered, and instead of showing the village, you show the person watching it, and mm -hmm. you see his expression, and it's more chilling than watching the actual violence happen. Which is an interesting point about TV, because the, the, the censorship is, well, it's changing <laughs> now that, that you can do online streaming, mm -hmm. and there's no real censoring at all. Um, HBO Go, now you can get, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, but still on network broadcast TV, there's, it's a pretty strict sort of censorship. There are and, standards. And yep. they, they have to uh, become creative uh, with those limitations in ways that, that maybe a movie or whatever, you know, if you don't care about the ratings, it's, it's anything goes. So it's interesting to think about that actually the, the confines there uh, generate a more creative approach than maybe less. Well. I've never, you know, there's a lot of writers who who, who um, will say that it's not fair that HBO competes against ABC in the Emmys because the rules on HBO are different. I've never felt that. I feel like you, you, you paint a painting with the colors you're given mm -hmm. and a master can paint with three colors, something better than somebody who's painting with 11 colors. I know there are only three colors in the world. Don't, uh, if you're an art major, <laughs> don't, uh, don't hit me for this. But um, I've always felt you just kind of have to be more creative uh, in that. But um, yeah. Well, and the other element too, that, uh, you know, your dumpster full of pornography image. Um, <laughs> one, that it's, it's a bad image because it's not all pornography, one. But two, um, there is a legitimate communal element to this. And and for me, anyway, as, as someone who has, you know, worked in church ministry for a number of years, um, I would often, I remember once talking about South Park. So, um, you know, a show that I, <clears throat> will admit for a while watched religiously. Um, I don't as much now just because I don't have time. I'm guessing um, you didn't watch it with your mother. Uh, I did not watch it with my mother. No. Yeah. Um, but there was one time where the censors even allowed on on cable television some word that used. I can't remember which one it was, but that wasn't allowed. And then now it was. And the whole first episode was they literally just said it as many times as possible. Right. And they had a tally on the bottom. It's yeah. like 250 times in their 20 minutes. Um, in any case, <clears throat> I was giving a sermon once on um, basically an argument for why I watch South Park. And the reason was not because I thought it was artistically great. I mean, I actually think they're quasi brilliant, but they are gratuitous intentionally. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 in your face and sometimes it just doesn't work. It's it's yeah. it's over the top. Um but the reason that I engaged it and I said, I'm going to uh, endure this is because there was a guy that I worked with. I worked at Starbucks at the time, um, loved South Park. And, um, you know, we not a, not a Christian, not a person of faith at all. Um, in fact, kind of antagonistic toward the whole thing. Um, but we had a lot of wonderful conversations about South Park. Mm -hmm. And so early on, I actually started watching it because he was so into it. I wanted to know why on earth is this, you know, what is this? And so that's when I, you know, when it first came out, started watching it um, because there are people and, and I'm okay with it. It doesn't affect me, I don't think. Um, and there are other things, horror movies, stuff like that. I just, it's, I, I can't, I couldn't dive into a dumpster of that, but there are those who can and, and do. So I think each of us with our own sort of sensibilities, our own sensitivities um, have, I actually think been gifted in ways to, the phrase I've been using, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, but is to be offended without taking offense. Yeah. So find a way to say, how can I intentionally and thoughtfully engage something like a South Park for that diamond? And to me, it's not even just the diamond, but who am I giving the diamond to? And, yeah. And what's, what is it my, that I'm seeking? Um, my only other thought is that 
when I was a youth pastor, I would meet with um, some of the, the students in my youth ministry on their campus of their schools. And uh, one day, remember, I had just gone back and forth uh, with a parent who was very worried about a clip of a show that had nothing in it, but the show had questionable content outside of it, and I was approving it and stuff like that. Um, the next day, I met with another student at lunch uh, across the street from his high school at the Starbucks. And of course, all of the teenagers descended upon the Starbucks right after. And I heard more foul, like I've never heard anything in any movie that could even compare to what 16 to 18 year olds, you know, in, you know, downtown setting do. And I had to be able to be there without saying, I have to get away from this because of my sensibilities. I had to find a way to navigate that world um, in a redemptive way without condemning them all to hell and yeah. running away. Yeah. Well, I actually ha- I do have a slightly different opinion. I actually do think that watching South Park has negatively affect you, okay. affected you. I actually do think well, that Well, you know this- me better than our audience, well, that's so true. you can say that. I-, I guess this is what I think we have to acknowledge, that if we as the church would say, this does have an effect on me, but I am going to figure out ways to counteract that effect, yeah. right? And so it, you know, it is it is troubling that we're able to be so sh- cavalier about seeing nudity mm-hmm. um, and or violence. And I think we have to go. All right, here's the effect it has on me. Here's how I'm going to counteract mm-hmm. that effect. Here's whether or not the art transcends that moment of negativity. But again, it gets into, you know, there are kids, there are families that will plop their kids in front of a movie yeah. because it's G-rated, but don't realize that, you know, it's about a bratty girl who disobeys her parents and runs away to be with a boy, which is what The Little Mermaid is, by the way, <laughs> and then sits there not saying a word until he kisses her. Well, what kind of worldview does that send out? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I'm not saying that they should plop their kids in front of America, <laughs> the 40-year-old version instead. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, let's be honest about what these things add up to. And I do think that we have to... I, it kind of bothers me that I'm so unaffected by yeah. nudity in language, yeah. and that's something that I think we should be careful about. Now, as we talked again about the broader sense, people of faith can go into this culture and do things differently, mm-hmm. try to make things different. On that 70s show, if I could get a story that wasn't about sex or drugs and make it more about rock and roll, because it was a show about sex, drugs, sure, and rock sure. and roll, I'd consider that a success. And, um, you know, imagine if more people of faith were going in and telling stories slightly differently with, you know, fewer swear words, you know, nudity that's not gratuitous, that's actually necessary for the story, violence that's effective in a way that makes you look away because you're supposed to look away, but makes you more empathetic for those who are um, having violence committed against them. As you hear just in our conversation, I think part of why we want to do these podcasts like this is so that you hear this back and forth, which is really how discernment happens. Um, The general approach that neither Dean or I would advocate is you have a a set criteria that once it's past five F-bombs, it's bad, you know, and before, you know, um, but that it is a process of knowing who your audience is. We would not advocate that probably any of the shows we talk about children should watch, especially unaccompanied. Um, And we all acknowledge that, that even in our own, the way we read our own text of the Bible, we don't, um, you know, the first story we tell our three-year-old is is not Daniel and the lion's den because, oh, here's what happened to Christians in lion's den. It's, it's, you know, God loved Daniel and protected him in in a scary situation. It's not, you know, in the flood, all, every human being on the planet was, you know, annihilated. It's, look how God uh, provided for and protected his faithful person. You know, 
Um, we already acknowledge that uh, with those issues in, in our own stories. Um, and I think that's what we'd both advocate for. I'll, I will, I think I like what you're saying. Of, of I probably have been affected, or not probably, I have been affected by the content that I've seen. Um, and I've, in part because I think I've seen content that was gratuitous and unnecessary. Yeah. But I don't want those instances to um, keep us from, as you're saying, um, avoid some great pieces of yeah. art that are transformative that feature those elements in an appropriate way. You can be affected without being defined by. You can yeah, be affected yeah. without being sullied by. Yeah. But I think that we do have to just kind of be aware and also be sensitive to those who um, who do shun. But I think yeah. that you can kind of use examples of helping them understand, well, what yeah. does stuff add up to? I was reading... Uh, uh, Genesis to my daughter when she was like seven or eight years old, and you get to the part about Lot's daughters crawling yeah. in the bed with him. Yeah. It's like yeah. what, uh, I sort of edited that, but yeah. I wanted to get the point across. And yeah. it's like, anyway, well, you were wise enough to know they didn't have the maturity to to handle that story right. then, right. and they will one day. They need to know what reality yeah. is, but yeah. um, and we all do that in, in different degrees. We I all think have, we, yeah, yeah that, I think we have to be more discerning as a church. Yes. But that means embracing the good and finding mm -hmm. the good even though it might have a few things in it that if yeah. you check off the boxes, it might not make it past some of those websites. But I think we're ignoring a good yeah. section of the culture. Well, and, and also discerning means um, uh, approaching this art on its own terms. Yes. So yeah. the, the way we judge whether language, sex, and violence is appropriate or not is, in fact, a function of is it does it have artistic merit? Right. Um, right. And even then... I think, uh, you know, I know some men, I, I uh, uh, pastored, you know, basically 20 and 30-somethings who grew up post-internet. Right. So uh, there is a case to be made um, for some people that I would counsel to say, you know, uh, there's rampant addiction to pornography right. in our culture. And yeah. it's like, even if there's artistic merit to nudity, for some people, that's right. probably inappropriate. You that's need right. to avoid that. So um, so it's, it, it's on the ground, it's complex, and it's case by case. Um, so it requires uh, discernment. It requires wisdom. It requires multiple voices, um, people that you trust to help you know who you are, what the text is. Sometimes that's a, a website. Sometimes it's a book uh, that your mom gives you to say there is gratuitous upper male nudity and you need to listen to those voices. Don't shut them out. Um, as long as, as the basic approach is we want to approach this artwork on its own terms and, and really listen to it. Um, so that we're responding appropriately. This so, story explains a lot because yeah. Cutter is sitting here shirtless as we. That's right. <laughs> and uh, apparently it's his mother who got him. I, I have a body for radio. Yeah. So <laughs> with that being said, we will pause for, for now and uh, see you next week. You've been listening to a production of Fuller Studio. Fuller Studio provides articles, podcasts, videos, and other resources for a deeply formed spiritual life. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit us at fuller.edu slash studio.